Welcome to Veterans Air, the Veterans Hour. I am your host, Douglas B. Um, we are coming to you today live, pre-recorded, from the downtown studios of your Lone Star Community Radio Station. You can listen to us live, usually, the first Tuesday of every month at 1 p.m. on Conroe's very own FM 106.1 and 104.5. You can also check us out on Facebook Live, YouTube, SoundCloud, wherever you get your fine podcasts. As always, we'll start off with a little housekeeping, letting you know how you can get hold of us here at Veterans Air. You can contact us through our website at www.veteransair.us. You can send us an email, drop us a message, and text us on our in-studio Google phone at 936-344-3083. I have a lot of things that I want to cover today, and primarily we're going to talk about the Compassionate Use Program and what it means to veterans. So if you've been following the news, um, like I do, um, when you get up in the morning, the first thing you do is you turn on CNN and listen to Robin Mead, and uh, because she's just so perky in the mornings, you just, you just have to love her. Um, and you, you get caught up on the news of the day or what they think is the news of the day. Um, I went a little bit different because I delve in a little further into the topics than our mainstream media usually does. And one of the, the items that I picked up on was House Bill 1535. And I mentioned this last uh, month in the broadcast that we were going to talk about it. What H. Bill, H.B. 1535 um, was in the Texas uh, legislature was is, it was what they called the Compassionate Use Program. And it's been around for a couple of years and it's gone through a bunch of different things. The Compassionate Use Program has to deal with medical marijuana in the state of Texas. Now, this in of itself is not historic, um, because a lot of states now are coming on and allowing the use of medical marijuana. Some of them have even allowed recreational use of marijuana. What makes Texas unique is the way that it's doing its medical marijuana or compassionate use program. So we're going to delve into that today, exactly what it is and how it pertains to you and to me. Back in 2015, the Republican governor, um, Greg Abbott, was quoted to have said that um, what he said was, Texas won't legalize marijuana for medicinal or recreational use as long as he's in the office. Now, I verified that. It had been reported numerous times that he actually said that. What makes this kind of unique is that the same year that he said that, the Senate signed into law, and he signed into law, rather, um, Senate Bill 339, a law that gives patients with intractable epilepsy access to low-dose cannabis oil, CBD oil, and the Compassionate Use Program became the battle cry for medical cannabis in Texas. This, when it first came out in, in 2015, 2016, um, got a lot, of, a lot of play in the news, um, a lot of play in the newspapers, um, because it authorized a low-dose 
low-dose THC. I need to slow down. I've had entirely too much caffeine this morning. A low-dose THC medical marijuana for two types of epilepsy. And why compassionate use became a battle cry is those two types of epilepsies in children, what the law said when it came out was, yeah, you can do it. You can try low-dose THC CBD oils, but only if you've exhausted every other treatment out there. That wasn't very helpful to people or to children suffering from this type of epilepsy. The compassionate use program in the past five, six years has gone through a lot of different changes, a lot of different amendments to it, and a lot of different ways of it being deployed. This year, as of September 1st, as of last month, um, House Bill 1535 was passed. And House Bill 1535 made significant changes to the compassionate use program in the state of Texas. The two major changes that it made, at least in my mind, was it raised the amount of THC in the medical marijuana from 0.5% to 1%. And it added a whole bunch of other types of illnesses and diseases that it can be used for. The, the, I want to say this, and this is an opinion, this is in fact, okay, this is an opinion. In my opinion, medical marijuana is not a cure for anything. But it is, is a symptom suppressant and a pain reliever. Now, you're thinking to yourself, well, you know, we have opioids for pain relief. Yes, yes you do. But opium or opioids, if you did not know, is, is it will kill you eventually. Eventually, it's going to turn your organs into stone and your liver and kidneys won't function anymore. That's the big danger of opioids, long-term opioid use. Medical marijuana, on the other hand, and I want to make a distinction here. I want to make a clear distinction between medical marijuana and, dude, it's organic. Medical marijuana and ganja that you get on the street corner. Two different things. Just like there's a huge difference between um, marijuana and hemp, there's a huge difference between medical marijuana and the stuff that you get out on the street corner. We're, going, we're talking about medical marijuana that contains 1% or less of THC. Now, you're, you're going to ask me what does THC stand for, and I'm going to tell you, I could tell you, but if I can't, I can't pronounce those words. So just know it's THC. It's the stuff that gets you high. Just like somebody, a chronic pain sufferer, that takes opioids to relieve or lessen 
their level of pain. THC does, it works with the cannabis. It works with the, with the CBDs to, to lessen the amount of pain. What they're trying to do is they're trying to create a strain with a very low THC content, the stuff that gets you high, but a very high CBD level, the stuff that does all the good stuff for pain relief, symptoms, abatements, and whatnot. Now that we've made that distinction, let's talk about what this latest House Bill 1535 that was signed into law on September 1st and what it does. Well, first off, it's expanded the list of things that it can be prescribed for. And there's a bunch of new things on there. And if you're interested in finding out exactly what the list contains, you can check the links above or below or wherever it is they show up on these podcasts. Um, and one of the better lists that I found, the more, a more comprehensive list, is from a company called the Texas Original Compassionate Cultivation website. Again, the links above or below. Now, that list includes all forms of epilepsy and other seizure disorders. In 2015, it only had two types of epilepsy. Now, as of September 1st, all forms of epilepsy and seizure disorders. Autism and other spectrum disorders. Multiple sclerosis. Spasticity. Terminal cancer all forms of cancer starting September 1st. I want to pause there and speak about cancer. My family is the poster child for cancer. I've lost dear friends. I've lost direct family members to cancer. And cancer is a horrible disease. And I'm glad that they've allowed medical marijuana to be used for all forms of cancer. And, but this, to me, seemed like a no-brainer from the beginning. If you've known anybody who's gone through chemotherapy and radiation therapy, one of the, the things that you pick up on, even if you're deaf and blind, is that they don't eat. They can't eat. The nausea is too much for them to eat. They lose weight. If you've ever smoked ganjaman, what does it give you? The incredible munchies. Enough said. It also has been authorized for Alzheimer's disease and other dementias. Parkinson's disease. Here's where it gets interesting. Post-traumatic stress disorder. Huntington's disease. And over a other over 100 other incurable neurodegenerative diseases. Over 100 different neurodegenerative diseases. By now, this show has been on the, on the air for, for, God, five, six years now? You've all been out there in the public. You've all met me. You realize that I have one of these neurodegenerative diseases. 
This is a win. This is a win for everyone. I see this as a win for a lot of people who are suffering and that may benefit from the compassionate use of medical marijuana. But like I said, medical marijuana is a different animal than your street corner pot. And I think if we want to make some comparisons, if we want to understand a little more of the controversy behind medical marijuana and pot is to look at the culture. If you're my age, you're in your late 50s, you know, early 60s and whatnot, you're not a youngster like Engineer Dick there, um, you'll remember such magazines as High Times. Um, you remember 420. You remember Dubers. Um, that whole marijuana culture was a culture unto itself. Now, medical marijuana has as much to do with that marijuana culture as a Passat has to a Formula One race car. They're totally different animals. But because of the culture of marijuana and how the federal government treats it, it gave medical marijuana a bad name. And we're going to talk about that some more. We really are. Obviously, if you're enrolled in this compassionate use program, you're not going to go out to the nearest dude's organic street corner dealer and score a dime bag and call it medical marijuana. <laughs> it does not work that way. I'll tell you up front, I've had both medical grade marijuana and street corner, John, street corner marijuana. Yes, I inhaled. I had it in brownies. I've even made butter for my bagel out of both types. I personally know people that use marijuana recreational and those that use it for medical purposes. I'm going to give you two examples. I know one user that swears by her street corner marijuana. And she smokes a hell of a lot of it. And you know what? It shows. Whether she gets any benefits from it, well, we don't know. Why don't we know? Because it's not controlled. She just lights up and smokes bowls and bowls of it in a day. And, and the stuff that they smoke, it's really nasty. It's skanky smelling. I know another user that uses it very infrequently, but they use it as a pain reliever to get on top of the pain and as a sleep suppressant. See, is that correct? Sleep suppressant? They take it so they can go to sleep. Um, and they've had great success with it. Personally, I've had similar type success. And I've had similar success with CBD oils. And we did a sh two shows on this like two, three years ago about uh, CBD oils and why it's effective for some people and not for others. It all, has to, it all depends on 
how good your CBD receptors are in your own personal body, how many of them you have, and where they are in your body. So medical marijuana use may not be for everyone. Now, the other side of that coin, while we don't have medical marijuana in this country, why marijuana is a Schedule One narcotic, if you did not know this, up until 1925, marijuana was a medical, uh, something that was prescribed medically for a lot of different things. But marijuana in and of itself is a weed. It'll grow just about anywhere. Now, the government wants its pound of flesh, and they also want the tax dollars. And let's face it, pharmaceutical, com pharmaceutical companies have a lot of power in the United States. They have a lot of power all over the world. If they can outlaw this substance that you can grow in your backyard and is non-regulated, they lose money. Hence, medical marijuana. The government isn't going to let medical marijuana happen without their control and cut of their funds. In Texas, under the Compassionate Use Program, medical marijuana must be prescribed by a registered doctor and administered by a registered clinic. And the Texas Health and Safety Code provides the statutory guidelines for what dispensing organizations are legally authorized to possess. You should read this. The link is above or below, wherever it is they show up on whatever media you're watching this on. This, this health and safety code, and it's code 481.111, by the way, if you were interested, lays out how doctors can prescribe this and what dispensaries and where they are that can dispense this medical marijuana. Now, you notice I've been talking here for the past 15 minutes, and I've said time and time again there's a difference between medical marijuana and street corner marijuana. Medical marijuana, remember, is specifically grown and cultivated to contain 1% or less THC. There are numerous organizations within the United States and abroad that are conducting research on medical marijuana. And the research that they're conducting is they're growing different strains, rather they're cultivating different strains of marijuana to be used for different symptoms relief. I know of one organization that's doing wonderful work. Uh, I, I don't have clearance to talk, to announce who they are. Um, but I will tell you they're doing wonderful work with using low-dose THC marijuana for sleep disorders. Those people out there that suffer from sleep disorders, um, insomnia, and there's many, many different types of insomnia. I know I'm a sufferer. Um, 
some of these strains show great, great progress and great, great promise for alleviating, uh, alleviating the the symptoms of insomnia so that you can sleep or you can sleep through the night, whatever the case may be. And, and I, I want to say that we need to do more research on these types of strains, these different types that they're being cultivated, to find out exactly what they do. In Texas, this is a call out to Texas and the United States government. You are hurting your citizens by not allowing this research to go through. Plain and simple. Now, we have to talk about exactly what this Compassionate Use Program is, the registry for it, and how it is used. Because this affects me and you. There's a registry. Oh, yes, there's a registry. Of course there's a registry. This is the government we're speaking about. Of course there's a registry. So I came up with a, with a, a list of a bunch of different questions and the answers to those questions. So what is the Compassionate Use Program? Correction. What is the Compassionate Use Registry of Texas, also known as CURT, C-U-R-T? Of course it has an acronym. If there's something that's going to be really screwed up for you, the government signs it an acronym so you can remember. CURT is the system that allows physicians to register and prescribe low-dose THC cannabis to patients with certain medical conditions. Once prescribed, dispensing organizations can search for the patient in the system and dispense the medication according to the prescription. That's the CURT database. Who needs to register with this database? Physicians who wish to prescribe low THC cannabis to qualifying patients must register in CURT. Patients do not register in CURT. Their prescriptions are entered by their physicians. I know, you already have questions. We're going to cover that. But bear with me. I want to read this as I researched it. Is CURT available to physicians, dispensing organizations, and law enforcement 24 hours a day? The Compassionate Use Registry of Texas, CURT system, is available to physicians and dispensing organizations 24 hours a day. Law enforcement can call the department to verify a patient or dispensing organization Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. through 6 p.m. Phone number is given. Do you want me to read that again? I know you do. Law enforcement can call the department to verify a patient or dispensing organization Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. Do you have to have a medical marijuana card? Not in the state of Texas. In the state of Texas, as the program is codified, if your doctor wants to prescribe 
low-dose low dose THC medical cannabis to you, they have to be registered with the current database. You, as the patient, must meet one of the conditions or diseases as codified in the Compassion Use Program to be prescribed low-dose THC medical cannabis. The doctor has to be in the system, in, in the registry. The dispensary, dispensary? dispensary has to be in the system. And you have to have a verified condition for which low-dose THC medical cannabis is being prescribed for. I just so happened, excuse me, I'm getting really dry mouth today. Yes, I'm drinking my monster. Um, as if I haven't had enough caffeine, right? Um, I forgot what I was saying. All right, I guess it doesn't matter. Um, oh, you don't have to have a card in Texas. Now that all that legal mumbo-jumbo is out of the way, let's talk about how being part of the Compassionate Use Program as a veteran would and could affect you as a veteran. First and foremost, you must remember cannabis use is still illegal in Texas and everywhere else under federal law. Cannabis use, possession, purchase, sale, and distribution of cannabis is illegal in Texas. You're saying, wait a second, Doug, you just told us we can use it in Texas. No, 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 no. I told you that you can be part of the compassionate use program if so prescribed by a physician registered in the CURT database. Cannabis, pot, marijuana, ganja, dude, it's organic are still illegal in Texas. Remember at the beginning of the show 15 minutes ago where I told you that Texas did something unique with compassionate use of medical marijuana? Here it is. It's still illegal. Even in Texas, it is still legal to possess, transport, distribute, and cultivate marijuana without a specific permit. Yes, you can actually get a permit to grow hemp and medical marijuana, either or. Just because I am the caring individual that I am and because Dan, Dangerous Dan, the bug-killing man, and D.V. Lucas... helped me out on the show immensely and helped me out with, with my property and whatnot, we actually have a request for a permit in to grow hemp. And I'll let you know how that ever progresses. Um, HB 1535 did not legalize marijuana use per se. What it did was to say, okay, if you are suffering from one of these specific illnesses or diseases and an authorized doctor has written a prescription for medical grade low, low THC uh, cannabis, and you got medical-grade marijuana from a CURT dispensary, then the state will not prosecute you for using it. Did you catch that? If 
you have a prescription. If you got the marijuana from a dispensary, and if you're using it as prescribed, the state of Texas will not prosecute you for using it. They did not make medical marijuana legal in Texas. I want to say that again. The way that I'm reading this, they did not make medical marijuana legal in Texas per se. And remember, even if they did, it's still illegal in the United States to do marijuana, to grow marijuana, to possess marijuana, to distribute marijuana. It's still a Schedule One narcotic. What about the VA? Now, you all know me and you know my opinions about the VA. I think that the majority of doctors and nurses down there are hardworking, compassionate caregivers. And my problem isn't with the, the, the caregivers at the VA. My problem is with the VA itself. Got too big of a bureaucracy. Well, the VA follows the FDA guidelines and says that marijuana is a Schedule One narcotic and is outlawed. It is verboten. This raises a lot of questions for a veteran that might want to explore whether or not medical cannabis can be of benefit to them. So I came up with some questions and some answers. And by the way, you can find all of these answers on the VA website or, and I believe, let me, let me check to make sure that I, did, that I did that correctly. Why, yes, there is a link above or below wherever links show up on the uh, VA policy on medical marijuana. So, question one. Will veterans lose their VA benefits for discussing medical marijuana with a VA care provider? The short answer is no. The long answer is, the VA official site makes it clear that veterans who use cannabis, pot, 402, etc. are not in danger of losing VA benefits. Veterans participating in a state marijuana program does not affect the eligibility for VA care or services. A VA provider can and do discuss marijuana use with veterans as part of a comprehensive care planning and adjust treatment plans as necessary. So what that means is that you have to or you should talk to your VA care provider if you are enrolled in this program, and even if you're not, even if you're breaking the law, you outlaw you, and get some street corner marijuana and, you know, smoke up a duber in your garage, you want to let your VA care provider know this. They're not going to turn you over to the police. They're not going to take away your benefits. None of that stuff. But understand that your VA care provider needs to know what else you're doing so that he can adjust your medication and your treatments accordingly. Is it safe for veterans to discuss marijuana use with the VA staff? Veterans do not need to be concerned with or anticipate punitive measures as a result of informing the VA staff of pot use. It is very important to note that this applies to retired or separated military members only. 
currently serving troops, including members of the Guard and Reserve, are still subject to DOD policy on drug use and not VA policy. If you're wearing the uniform, if you're a reserve or a guard, you cannot use marijuana. Why is this policy important? Well, VA caregivers need to make decisions about a veteran's continued health care in an informed way, including the patient's lifestyle choices, possible drug interactions with alcohol, cannabis, or other substances, etc., etc. A doctor who knows the veteran's marijuana use may or may not advise an adjusted course of treatment depending on circumstances. Remember we said what medical marijuana is primarily used for? is to use to treat the symptoms and as a pain reliever. Your caregiver, I don't care if they're a VA doctor or, or on the economy, they need to know what it is you do so they can adjust accordingly. There's a reason why the doctor asks you, do you smoke or how much alcohol do you drink? There's a reason for that. They're not being prudish about it. Well, some of them are. But they need to know what your consumption is so they can address a possible drug interaction or advise you of different choices that you need to make considering your use. Now, my doctor, both my on the economy and my VA doctor, they all would like me not to smoke. And they tell me all the time, Mr. Burrell, you need to stop smoking. And my reply to them is, I understand that, but until you write me a prescription where I get to throat punch people, I'm going to continue to smoke. They're okay with that. Moving on. Specific VA policy regarding the discussion of medical marijuana use with patients. The VA official site has a list of rules, information, and reassurances for veterans concerning being forthright about medical marijuana use and their VA caregiver. Specifically, bullet points here, veterans will not be denied VA benefits because of marijuana use. Veterans are encouraged to discuss marijuana use with their VA providers. VA health providers will record marijuana use in the VA's medical record in order to have information available for treatment and planning purposes. As with all clinical information, this is part of the confidential medical records and protected under patient privacy and confidentiality laws and regulations. VA clinicians may not recommend marijuana use. They may not recommend marijuana use. Your doctor cannot tell you, hey, have you tried smoking a bowl? They can't recommend that to you. You can talk to them about it but they can't open that conversation with you. VA clinicians may not prescribe products containing, and there's no way I'm going to pronounce this word, THC, cannabinoids, or other cannabinoids within the substance. Your VA doctor is not going to prescribe medical marijuana for you. They can't. They may want to, they may even personally think that in your case, with your particular medical history and your particular condition, that medical marijuana may be of a benefit to you, 
but they by policy are restricted from talking to you about it. Why? Because the federal government, the FDA, has decided that marijuana is a Schedule One narcotic. VA medical policies for state-level medical cannabis cards. In states where medical marijuana is approved, some kind of screening process is usually required in order to allow patients to legally buy marijuana from state-licensed medical marijuana dispensaries. In, in the state of Illinois, for example, an applicant must be screened for any of the following symptoms, including certain types of chronic pain, PTSD, and debilitating conditions such as fibromyalgia. The VA can actually screen you before you actually find a doctor that can prescribe medical marijuana. But in order for them to do that, in order for your VA provider to to order these tests, what do you have to do? You have to talk to them. VA policy on medical marijuana prescriptions. The term prescription is used loosely here. In many states, do not require prescription for medical cannabis per se, and patients who use legal marijuana are often authorized to possess cannabis instead. In any case, the Department of Veterans Affairs does not permit VA clinics or staff to prescribe or fill prescriptions for medical marijuana. The VA will not pay for such prescriptions regardless of the source, and the VA rules forbid the use or possessions of marijuana in any form on any VA facility. Because what is the VA? The VA is the federal government. Federal government still says cannabis is a Schedule One narcotic. <clears throat> Where am I? I'm still good. See, I'm being careful today, Dick. Now, I want to mention here, am I talking about this later on? No, I'm not. So I'm going to talk about it right now before we get on to the next thing, medical marijuana and gun use and ownership. Doctors must be registered in the CURT registry to in order to prescribe medical marijuana, low-dose THC, medical cannabis. I don't care what you call it. Don't call it pot. Don't call it ganja. Don't call it dude, it's organic. Call it what it is, medical cannabis. The doctor must be authorized to write the prescriptions for it. It is up to you to find such a doctor that is willing and authorized to write a prescription for it. I will tell you that in the entire county of Montgomery, there are four doctors that are registered in the CURT registry to prescribe low-dose THC medical cannabis. Four. That's it. 
let's assume that you can get an appointment with them and that you've done your due diligence and talked to them prior to going in and going, hey, man, can I get a prescription for a dime bag? And you've worked with your VA provider that you've discussed with them your decision to try to see if medical cannabis is a good fit for you. And they've agreed, and they're going to assist you by doing some screenings prior to seeing this, this one of those four doctors. So you go in prepared. The doctor looks at the screening. The doctor examines you. The doctor orders some more other tests. And finally, the doctor determines that the use of medical cannabis for you and your verified condition at such a level could be a benefit to you, so I'm going to write you a prescription for it. It doesn't stop there. Now you need to do some thought processing here. Grab any single one of your prescription bottles. On the label, it tells you what it is, how much you're supposed to take, and how often. Your medical marijuana prescription will be the same thing. And I will tell you that it will be a rare occurrence that you are prescribed to smoke the medical cannabis. Yeah, it's going to be rare that you're allowed to smoke it. Um, and and that, that's simply because of how the cannabinoids are absorbed through the lungs as opposed to absorbed through the intestinal tract. Um, or absorbed topically. I got to tell you, I have this this uh, CBD oil from a friend of mine in California, and it is outstanding. It does wonderful. Um, Nikki, our intern, Nikki gave this to me, and it is outstanding because um, nothing touches my my shoulder pain um, and my hip. And my knee and my ankle. Um, but you know, this stuff, put it on, massage it in. It's fantastic. It's really, really good. Better than the lattocaine patches. Um, so the, the, you're going to be prescribed a specific amount, a frequency, and how you're going to ingest it. The doctor says, okay, do this. Now the next problem is it has to be procured. And right now, as of today, there are three, three dispensaries in the CURT database. Three in the whole state. That's it. I, I, I called a couple of people and said, why are they only three? And the answer that I got back was, well, we figured that that was enough. If we need more, we'll open more. But there's three. I have been to all three dispensaries. No, I'm not going to tell you who they are. I want you to do your research. They can ship your prescription to you. You don't need to physically go pick it up. They can ship it to you. Um, some of them will require that you send in some pertinent information and copies of identification. Others want a Zoom call. 
But yeah, if the, the if your doctor prescribed you the, uh, a pound of gummy bears, uh, gummy worms, or whatever the hell it is each month, they will ship that to you. Um, so you can get you can get medical marijuana in Texas now. The 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 list that I read off of you of what diseases and and, and illnesses <clears throat> um, are authorized for this use is pretty extensive. Please go to the link above or below and read this list for yourself. I encourage you strongly to speak with your VA provider and your civilian doctor on the benefits, the pros, or the cons of attempting to see if low-dose TSC is a good fit for you. Now, that's not the only thing that we have to talk about concerning medical marijuana use in the state of Texas. Something near and dear to my soul would be your Second Amendment rights and the use of medical marijuana. Before we open up that whole can of worms, I want to restate, reinforce what I've said previously. Marijuana, whether it be low-dose THC, medical cannabis, or street corner grunge, it is illegal in the United States to use it, possess it, distribute it, or cultivate it. It's illegal. It is a Scheduled One narcotic for the federal government. If you're a gun owner, um, you should know that the use of a Scheduled One narcotic is verboten. You will lose your Second Amendment rights if convicted of said charge of using it, possessing it, distributing it, or cultivating it you'll lose your Second Amendment rights. I'm not here to say whether that is right or wrong. I'm here to tell you those are the facts. Now, under the restrictions of the Federal Gun Control Act, it is illegal for a person who is an unlawful user of or addicted to any controlled substance to possess, receive, transport firearms or ammunition. This has raised concerns that participating in a medical marijuana program may cost the patients their right to possess firearms because the... <laughs> oh, Dick, I forgot my constitution this morning. The second, your Second Amendment rights are not rights given to you by the state or the federal government. The Second Amendment is there to tell the state or the federal government what you can, what they may and may not do concerning gun possession of its citizenship, and which is really, really clear, shall not be infringed, but we all know that it is as responsible gun owners. So if you're out there with your, with your um, legally obtained and licensed bazooka um, hunting groundhogs, um, and you're smoking a big fat duber, you can be arrested. And you will lose your Second Amendment rights because 
felony possession of a narcotic or what is, what is it called? Felony possession of a scheduled narcotic. However, this is Texas after all. And Texas, we're a gun culture state. Um, we love our guns because they'd be varmints out there, whether the varmint bad be out in West Texas or on the you know first street in downtown Conroe. There'd be varmints out there that you need protection against. Not only is this Texas and we love our guns, but this is Texas and we're now a constitutional carry state. We did a show on this, like last month, I think, or maybe the month before. I don't remember when. But we did a very recent show say, uh, uh, saying that you no longer, no longer need a concealed carry permit um, to own a weapon. However, ownership is still restricted to a certain class of citizen, meaning you have to be a citizen, you can't be a felon, you can't have been convicted for domestic violence, you can't be uh, 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 incompetent, yada, yada, yada. All those things that take away your Second Amendment rights. I know, I'm getting real close, but I'm almost done. I see I see Dick over there checking his, his, uh, his phone going, is he going to run long? No, I'm going to run on time. Um, however... The Texas Department of Public Safety has stated in the FAQ, I see you, that, uh, that they do not believe participating in the state's um, program, medical marijuana program, disqualifies a person from possessing a firearm or obtaining a Texas license to carry, although it is possible that a patient's underlying condition may disqualify them. So you're good to go if you're using medical marijuana with a prescription. I have about two minutes here, so in the two minutes, I want to give a shout-out to my sponsors out there, East Meets West Productions. Um, East Meets West Productions is uh, makes VA, makes Veterans Air possible by paying me to actually do this. East Meets West Productions is a full-service business and marketing consultant helping veterans start and fund their businesses for over 25 years. For more information, call 361 361- Nine zero four zero zero four four. Thank you, East Meets West. I'll be down there later on this afternoon. There are some big things happening in Conroe. Gotta let you know about Conroe Catfish Festivals coming up October eighth. Don't forget your uh, your Main Street Farmers Market every Saturday at ten a.m. And I want to let you know that on Saturday, October twenty sixth, the v- VFW is going to have a Halloween party, and on October thirtieth. They're going to continue with their tradition of the trunk or treat from uh, 12 p.m. to 3 p.m. So go out there and support everybody. And that about wraps up our show. But remember to tune in November 2nd at 1 p.m. And we'll do something else since it'll be November. Um, Of course, we'll do our Veterans Day salute. Um, Like us on Facebook, like us on YouTube, or like us wherever you find your fine podcasts. Um, as I close off, I want to leave you as I do every month with this awesome song by the Warrior Project. Uh, go download it from veteransair.us or iTunes. And while we're listening, let us remember our brothers and sisters in uniform that today are standing in harm's way to protect our freedoms and liberties. If you are wearing the uniform, I want to tell you thank you. I want to tell you I am proud of you. Until next month, stay safe and stay vigilant.
killing machine with a need to bleed you when the light goes green. Best believe I'm in the zone to be from a yin to my yang to my yang to see. Put a grin on my chin when you come to me. Cause I'll win, I'm a one of a kind and I'll bring death to the place you're about to be. Another river of blood running under my feet. Forging a fire lit long ago. Stand next to me, you'll never stand alone. I'm last to leave, but the first to go. Lord, make me dead before you make me whole. I feed on the fear of the devil inside of the enemy faces in my sight. Aim with a hand, shoot with a mind, kill with a heart like Arctic ice. Let's try. 